comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Podcast this week, episode 123, a very fun number. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Aaron Newworth, Back from the Dead, uh, Rich Chubtoad, and Jim Dietz, Yoda Jones. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Staying away from starving bears. Let's pour one out for Bob. His only crime was being born delicious. <laughs> and following them into that really stupid, uh, uh, not stupid in the show, but stupid, and then I'm going into that basement. There, there was that time when Bob nearly got everyone killed. Let's not forget that. That is but, true, because you know, he went back to the booze. <laughs> hey, I would have done it too. Anyway, <laughs> this week we're talking about uh, episode 503, Four Walls and a Roof, directed by Jeffrey F. January, that's a fun name, and written by Angela Kang and Corey Reed. Um, what did you guys think before we even get into like the specifics? What did you guys think of the episode in general? Really solid, really solid episode. A great tense middle, and uh, well, there's some problems I have with it, but overall, I think it was a really solid episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it was pretty solid as well. There's except for the one logic flaw that we have towards the end of it involving Abraham, but other than that, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I was I was surprised that they uh, they went through the hunters uh, storyline as quickly as they did, but um, I'm, yeah, but it's kind of setting this tone for this new season of you know them covering a lot of ground in a short amount of time. So, I, I thought again, I thought it was a solid episode too. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about before that you know, beware the hunters from the comics, which I believe is volume twelve, but that's just off the top of my head, is my favorite story from the comics overall. Like for all, this was my favorite story from the comics. And as for the version of it, I liked it. I did have some problems with it, but we can get into that in the discussion of the episode. So, gentlemen, should we get into it? It's in hardcover book six, by the way, for those that don't know the issues offhand. Yeah, that would that would be softcover volume 12, then, yes. Or 11, if it's in book six. But I'm pretty sure it's 12. Um, so, this episode, like we said, Four Walls in a Roof, starts with Gareth taunting Bob, um, kind of where we left off last episode, after they've eaten Bob's left leg. And uh, he's quite upset that Carol and Daryl got away, because Carol killed his mother. Um, and apparently someone fr- from their group saw her and Daryl drive away. And not that we were... I think by this point and by the end of the episode, we wouldn't be under the misconception anyway. But it's pretty clear that Daryl's group and whoever 
uh, Daryl and Carol are following, and whoever took Beth seem to be completely non-connected. As I've been saying from the start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think we've all pretty much agreed with that, but there's always been at least the you know the possibility that was the case. I think that any possibility has been wiped away at this point. I have Fair a enough. really good theory on who that is, and and it ties into who is in the woods with Daryl, so... Well, then let's get into that at the end. Okay. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but... You mentioned um, the group eating Bob's leg. It's not just, like, eating. They're having, like, a Carl's Jr. love affair with that leg. Like, they're, like, showing big close-ups on them, chewing the meat and juxtaposing it with the zombies that are, like, just eagerly waiting to eat something outside the, the window from them. Like, there there was, like, it was a gorgeously shot sequence of something really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a like a McDonald's commercial. Like, everybody's just smiling and happy. Uh, and they're surrounded by zombies, but they don't care because they got Bob's Like I said, the, uh, now, Bob, Bob was born delicious. And uh, this scene, the scene with uh, between Gareth and Bob, I really enjoyed the acting in this scene. Um, I with, agree. With, I mean, Bob just really, I mean... Um, uh, I just really enjoyed the interplay between the two, and then when he starts laughing and he tells him what happened to him in the food drive, it just, uh, I, I don't know, it's one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Should we get into Gareth more now, or do you want to wait till later? Because I have things I'd like to say about Gareth. Go ahead. Uh, well, oh. let me just finish out the scene, which sure. won't take that long, sure. and then then we can discuss him some more. Um, so Gareth vows that he's going to eat Rick and group, and then Bob begins to cry, and then hysterically laughing, kind of a nice... Uh, uh, Joker moment or uh, Walter White moment uh, from the crawl space, whichever you want to go to, and then he he starts telling them that he they are eating tainted meat, and he pulls back the shoulder of his uh, shirt to show that he was bitten uh, in the food drive, and they all start to uh, to panic except for Gareth who says we cooked it we should be fine, and then he knocks Bob out because he doesn't want to hear him laughing now. I only ask this question because we have a professional on the podcast. And that is Jim. <laughs> um, Jim, as a chef, what sides and accoutrement do you serve with a Bob's leg to actually tie it all together nicely? Well, shank, I would uh, I would recommend braising rather than cutting the cookie over an open fire because there's a lot of tendon and it needs to cook down to really get tender. So I'd, I'd say like a slow braise with uh, maybe some root vegetables and some red wine uh, over that fire for maybe two or three hours to really let it, you know, let, to let the flavors marry, you know, as it were. Well, Jim, I mean, this isn't a Rolling Stones song. Time was not on their side. That's true. I mean, you got to do what you can when you can. <laughs> but um, I, I really like the way this was shot, too. I'm really, like, enjoying their cannibalism. I mean, if there was any... You know, gray area that was left. You know, in the earlier episodes about this group, it's totally wiped away here. I mean, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. I mean, it kind of. It was a weird. Like it was to me. It was almost like a weird redo of the similar scenes in the original Night of the Living Dead, where they show them like kind of feasting on on you know the entrails and stuff and yeah and lingering on that. It kind of was like a weird kind of refiltering or reimagining of that for me anyway. I, I can see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is true or not. I just know from other things that I've read or heard on cannibalism, not that it's a subject I study a lot, uh, but that <laughs> that people eating their own causes them to go insane. It can. It's similar to mad cow disease, if I recall correctly. Uh, not exactly the same, because um, I think that has to do more with ground meat and, and, and uh, stuff like that, but... Yeah, it can lead to that over time. It's certainly not something I would recommend. Well, I'm just, uh, just in general. I'm just saying that could explain a little bit of how they've become so complacent and how, like Jim said, the gray area has been completely removed. And 
you know, definitely while he spoke well, there definitely was a level of insanity, insanity to uh, Gareth in the way that he... What kind of thing is a degenerative brain disease? So, I mean, I guess that's it's possible. I think it also comes with the situation that they've been in and not just the fact yeah. that they're eating meat, but the, 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 the stuff they've gone through in the past and whatnot has certainly turned them this way, and not just, yeah. oh, we ate a bad right. thing and now we're crazy people. <laughs> so what, what were your comments on Gareth as of this point, uh, Aaron? I just, I just want to go into to complimenting the character of Gareth and praising it. I think Andrew J. West uh, did, has done a great job with this performance and just the writers in general of taking – this character and given the amount of time we've had with them, making him a very credible threat, making him a, a very good villain that you like to hate and you, you can't, you know, you, you enjoy watching, but can't wait to see, you know, perish in all of this. And I say this because I'm not a huge fan of the governor, like as much as, as good as David Morris, he wasn't making that, trying to make that performance work. I just, I really wasn't a fan of how they handled that character. And I mean, th- those two episodes following the governor, I think are two of the, the weakest episodes of the walking dead. So, I mean, it, Stands to reason that I am not a fan there, but given the, you know what the three episodes, four episodes that we may have had with uh, Gareth, I've I I really love the way that they handled this person. I love how he's kind of smug and taunting uh, Bob's character. I love his performance later on in the church and kind of how where that leads. But it, just in general, I really think he's. A do you very think a lot of that has to do with how they got you know, in and got almost. out with him, as opposed to the governor who we had you know a ton of episodes with? In other words, they didn't have time to screw it up. And I don't mean that like as a negative against the show, but it was That's, just like here he is, yeah, yeah. he's awesome for this reason as a character, um, and now he's gone. I think that I think that ad- I think that adds to it. But even so, I mean, they gave two entire episodes to the governor and couldn't make that work. So I mean, it's just what they they could they could have easily given Gareth like a whole episode with like backstory or whatnot. They didn't choose to. They they could have showed us like his side of things and different ways and they, how they handled it here. But instead we got what, like two bookends on the premiere episode and then this episode and just like a tad bit on the finale of last season. And that's like all I needed to really understand who this character was. I still don't really understand who the governor was in everything, given what they're trying. They're just showing so many different sides of them and confusing us the whole time with them. That's, yeah, yeah, the odd thing is, I feel I feel like the governor was better de- uh, better defined in the comic yeah. than he was in the show. Yes, with, with, with like very little backstory, and... no less, too. I mean, we, right. the only backstory we have in the governor is the in terms of the comics is the the written novels that you know came as spinoffs. Now, I mean, the thing with the governor to that point, as I agree, it is he's a much more defined and uh, dangerous threat in the comic books. Um, I think that, you know, because of how much I did like the character in the comic, I really hung on to David Morrissey's governor uh, in the show. But I, I, you know, at the time, I kind of disagreed with Aaron on, you know, I, I really liked the way that they did it. But now that we've had what we got with Gareth in, what, three, four episodes proves that you can have an impactful character without, you know, dragging it out. They just... My thing with the governor was they they were, he was very underwhelming in comparison to the comic book uh, with Gareth and with the hunters. I feel that we they were kind of a flash in the pan, so to speak, in the comic book, and we got them uh, much better defined in the show and in such a short amount of time. Which just goes to uh, Scott Gimple's running of the show now is that. He's able to have have the writing team and everybody on the creative team together to where they can um, give us great story without 
you know, dragging it on and on and on. Because there's not a single thing that I've missed out of these last three or four episodes from the end of last season to this season to to make me want more explanation of Gareth or the group or anything like that. And that, to me, is good writing and good television. It's a good way to put it. So, back at the church, uh, Sasha has noticed that Bob is gone. She goes out uh, into the backyard of the church uh, to look for Bob. Uh, she does not see him, but she sees she's almost attacked by a zombie, or she is attacked by a zombie, uh, and the, the zombie is dispatched, but she also thinks she saw someone watching the group, so she goes back and she confronts uh, Father Gabriel uh, over the disappearance of the group members, because they've also realized that Carol and Daryl are gone. Uh, Rick also asks Gabriel what he did that he's, uh, before that he's so ashamed of, and Gabriel admits that when the outbreak occurred, he locked his entire incog- congregation outside of the church, leaving them to be eaten by the walkers. Um, he shows great remorse and says that he's damned to hell and says that he also um, buried the bones out back. Um, but he also seems that he has this kind of uh, recurring mantra of, I always locked the doors. Like, he was trying to explain in the way that it wasn't a, almost, it wasn't like he purposefully locked the doors to keep them away. It was just that he had always locked the doors at night and it was so early that he didn't unlock them this time. It was a little bit, I was a little bit unsure of what he was trying to say there with the, I always lock the doors, I always lock the doors. Um, He's a coward. Yeah, I I get that. I I think part of it is also, I don't buy his performance. I said last week that I wasn't sure if I liked it or didn't like it. I think after this episode, I really don't like what they've done with Father Gabriel. Not to say that it's like a bad interpretation from the comics. I don't remember the interpretation from the comics. I'm just not buying Seth Gilliam's performance as uh, Gabriel. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I don't think it... I don't think it's the writing. I think it was his performance. And it wasn't bad. It just felt kind of phoned in. Like, he definitely read what's on the page and that was it. You know, he didn't really put a lot Well, I felt like he was trying Um, to put a lot into it and I just didn't buy any of it. Like, I, I would I, not have trusted that that um, explanation by him if I was one of those characters in the room. I would I would have just thought he was lying because it didn't come off as sincere, even though he was trying. I, I hear what you're saying, and I heard it last week, too, when you guys were talking about because I had to listen in last week. <laughs> and um, I, it's not I mean, it's not just because I'm very happy to see Seth Gilliam, Lawrence Giller Jr. and Chad Coleman all from The Wire being in the same episode together. It's just I do I do buy the performance. I, I'm into it. I I w- I'm not about to say it's like you know top performances of The Walking Dead, but I I, I have no issue with what he's putting. Out and there. I should say in general, I don't really have a problem with it. But it, it's it seems like that one that I had a problem with. Or last week, I'm trying to think what was the scene. I guess it was maybe him on the rocks and like being confronted by Rick and the group right in the beginning, where I was like, this just feels like a weird over the top cartoon and not a real character. But in the other scenes, like him with Michonne, or just talking with the group, or where he's waiting in the room later on in this episode, um, and the hunters are outside, like, I buy all that. It was just some of the emotional stuff where I was like, not, 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 not buying it at all. I think what it is, is is he seemed to really try to oversell the hinting that's, of yeah. he's hiding something. And I think that's more what it was than anything else that, that bothered me about his performance. And again, like you said, Aaron, it, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, it definitely was not a bad performance. It just wasn't, wasn't particularly great. Um, my thing about this whole scene where he reveals what he did is the overreaction or just the reactions really of of our group Rick and everybody because 
You know, I mean, yes, he was a coward from the beginning, but think about some of the crap that our group has had to do and has been forced to do or bad decisions that they have made. You know, it, it, they're, this guy's not any more guilty of uh, doing something selfish or stupid in the zombie apocalypse than anybody else that was in that room. So while they, while they should, you know, be like, kind of like, oh, okay, you know, but I, I just to, to treat him so poorly based on that decision, I mean, think about it. He's a preacher. He's a man of peace, you know, What's he going to do? I mean, they, they they've lost two they lost two of their bet the two of their best people, Carol and Daryl, for no apparent reason. Sasha's the love of her current life. Bob is suddenly gone as well, and Rick's already been nervous about Father Gabriel, which he's literally told him, "I don't trust you." To and have they him know suddenly, he's been hiding something, and they know he's been hiding something. To have him react to the way he does makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's not like the it's not like the group's all you know, having fun aside with, you know, feeding Judith and partying up in the church, they're still kind of on edge about things that have been going on in terms of like, how do we deal with this person that we can't really trust with like weird stuff written outside of his walls and the way he's been acting and whatnot. Maybe I just missed it, but I didn't really sense that big of a reaction in general from the group at all from his story. I almost expected one of them to go, that's it. Like maybe maybe I just missed some cutaway shot to to some character or something. Well, I mean, Sasha did pull a knife on him, and I thought Sasha put the knife back away. That, that was the shot I saw. Was there it was, was just she put, the she level put it away after after she put it away after Rick grabbed him and started pushing him around and getting him to confess, and then after he told his whole story, then she put it away. I I, I probably was just not paying that close enough attention to the scene because, like I said, I was not buying the performance, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. One of those, I, this is one of those I watch it a few times before I write the review. Kind of Fair thing. enough. <laughs> like I, I, get, I, get a, I get a good look at like who's doing what in these episodes. By the end of that scene, I was only half watching it because I just did not care. But, but uh, uh, Chubb, to, to back up a bit, I do agree with your point that they really were trying to sell the whole he's hiding something aspect, which I can, un- I can understand that as a reason why you can't quite buy parts of his yeah. performance based on how much they're trying to sell that you can't trust this guy versus how – in, in in you know looking at looking at it now how insignificant his reveal really is cuz it's not like we know any of the people that he got killed or anything like that it's just more of a i locked the doors cuz i'm a coward all right it's not like i locked the doors and beth died like that's not a thing although so. i wonder if to me or to us it was oversold or we we saw it that way because we really know what this character is about from the comics Whereas uh, maybe I mean, maybe your average viewer they needed to kind of push that a little bit. I don't know. It's just to me that's what didn't sit well with me. It's trying to find that balance. Yeah, I can see that. But like, I didn't remember what I like. I kind of I had a, I had a feeling that it was something about him doing a cowardly act. I couldn't put my finger on what it was. But I feel like you guys last week you said that you couldn't exactly remember what Gabriel like some of you did. I I, I like had no memory whatsoever yeah. of what it was. Yeah, I didn't either. I've read the comics too, and it's kind of funny, you know. He's, you know, we're we're talking about how he's not that memorable of a character in the in the TV series as well. You know, we that we have issues with the performances or whatever. I just felt like when he kept saying that, you know, that about locking the doors, he was just kind of trying to rationalize it all to himself. I, I can buy that uh, in front of other people, you know, rather than you know, you know, freaking out or whatever. And I I don't know, I didn't really have a problem with the performance. I, I thought it was fine. I think it's also because I don't expect this character to, you know, live or be involved in the, you know, rest of the season after maybe next week or the week at probably the week after, I guess, because next week's like the the, the Daryl and Carol story or whatever. But I mean, I just like I, I'm not expecting to like latch on to this character. So I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll see him for a little bit and then he'll like leave or 
die or something. <laughs> I don't care. So right after this conversation, what what was it that happened? Did they hear a knock or a scream or what was the actual impetus of them opening the door? There doors? was a noise outside, and then they th- saw Bob lying out yeah, there. Yeah, they, they yeah. find a, a, an unconscious Bob out there, and once they get him inside and he wakes up, he warns the group about Gareth. Um, he told him what Gareth told him about Daryl and Carol. Um, he shows everyone his bite eventually, and basically, he, it's it's an info dump, but not in a bad way of just giving everybody up to speed and all the information they're going to need for the rest of the episode of uh, Gareth's out there. This is where they are, uh, or at least this is my memory of it. There were zombies there. This is how many people he had on his team, etc. and so forth. It was a very important conversation. I don't mean to belittle it. Did they did they kill a bunch of walkers too when Bob was out there? Like when they're like walkers. I think there was a couple of them, yeah. Because it's like the only walk. Like we get the walker stuff with Sasha, where they're apparently very sneaky somehow, and then we get this walker stuff, and that's I think the extent of zombie action we get in this episode. Yeah, this is much more about the person on person violence. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which made it hard to be like because I tried to do zombie kill of the week every week, and there was there wasn't really much to go with this week. So. I would say probably Bob, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't mean that as a joke. But you know, I know. I, yeah. Um, spoilers for the, the the end of the episode that hopefully you've already For the watched. person listening to this podcast that didn't watch the whole episode, but it's still listening to this episode <laughs> of the podcast. Seriously, what are you doing, Jerry? Um, I can't believe you called out Jerry. <laughs> he knows what he did. So Abraham uh, begins to argue with Rick uh, and says they need to leave for Washington as soon as possible. This is getting ridiculous. They've got people being eaten and they're being hunted. They need to just leave right now. Um, but Rick obviously disagrees. Uh, Glenn gets in the middle and convinces Abraham to stay and says, if you help us kill the Terminites, uh, me and Maggie, and I believe Tara also says she'll go, but the three of them will go with Abraham um, to Washington, D.C., and it's a tense standoff, you know, alpha males going at it, but eventually they agree that that is what happens. Abraham will give them 12 hours, and then he's leaving. And when... um. What, what, just real quick, when when because um, they're doing like the whole, they're all getting all alpha male on this. When Glenn stood up, I thought he was going to say something like, "You're making too much sense." Because <laughs> to Abraham, just, like, every, every, yeah, because everything Abraham was like, why he wanted to leave, made complete sense to me. It's like, yeah, the guy that's going to save the world could get killed in this situation. We've lost people. There are people after us. We don't need to be here. That's not where we need to be right now. <laughs> they know where we are. Why I, while I agree with you one hundred percent intellectually. That Abraham was the one making the most sense. Uh, whether yeah. we buy Eugene's um, explanation yeah, or yeah. not, that makes 100% sense. However, uh, I'm going to stick to my guns with what I said earlier in the season of, you know, back when they when they left Terminus, they should have followed Rick then and gone back and killed everybody. Because, like Rick even says, pretty much exactly what I said um, in this episode, even if they don't come after us, they will keep doing this to other people, and that's horrible. And if we don't stop them, we're monsters, more or less. So, oh yeah, I see the the logic in why to why to handle this, and I was I think I was agreeing on Rick's logic back in that first episode as well. But it's like if Ab- for this kind of mission that Abraham's involved in, yeah, I mean, the, I it would e- well, be easier for me to side with him in terms of the if I was in this scenario or if I was Eugene. <laughs> Since you brought up logic and lack thereof, and in some cases, this is the first point of the episode of the very illogical loop of nonsense that it. I just don't understand where they're coming from, and I'm going to get a little ahead in this, but this starts with them wanting to split up, agreeing to split up at noon the next day, after we just had two episodes where it was stated 
at least two or three times by everybody. We're all back together. We need to stick together. We don't need to allow this to happen again. Well, that's the first illogical point here. We're going to split up. The second thing is, okay, so I get, like you guys were saying, Abraham point makes perfect sense this guy has the secret to stop this this hell we're living we need to protect him and get him and now there's this new imminent threat that we have that i cannot allow him to be exposed to any longer i need to leave oh wait a minute okay i'll give it 12 hours um and then helps eliminate said danger and then now He's still taking the group and splitting them up in order to protect Eugene from this imminent danger, this new danger that they have now done away with. That the immediacy, whole, yeah, it's bothering The whole yeah. thing just is it it's not logical one bit. Not to mention, you know, they don't know they could have waited another day. They don't know where Daryl and Carol went. I mean, they've been told by Bob that the that the hunter said they took off in a car together. So obviously, you know, for all they know, they went off to Lover's Lane for a little bump and grind. Who knows? They're or probably <laughs> or, or supplies. Well, you know, if it's Maggie and Glenn, it's both. But either way, you know, they're probably coming back. Can we just wait till the next morning or something? Can we at least wait 24 hours? Can we try to figure something out here? And then sure enough, the tail lights are barely over the horizon, and here comes Daryl walking out of the woods. <laughs> I'm like, come on. You know, I just, the whole them splitting up just makes no sense, and maybe it's going to make plot sense down the line of the season, but I'm just, I wasn't happy with that whole situation. And while we're on the subject of the Rick Abraham confrontation, I was really wanting to see one or the other or both punch each other kind of the way it came to in the comics. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen eventually. I figure they're just going to whip it out and just start measuring right there. Rich, I'm not sure that I'm following what you're saying about the the illogicalness of it. Yes, I realize it's not a word, but everybody else seems to be, so maybe we just need to walk me through it. Abraham never wanted to stay at this church in the first place. He's been trying to get everybody to leave since the beginning. It seemed like he only reluctantly agreed to stay for a day for a or time. so. Now he's yeah. got a threat, and he's like, okay, now this is the impetus I need to just get the hell out of Dodge. So he's trying to. The fact that he agrees to help and stay out of, you know, altruism or whatever um, is fine with me, but I don't understand why you're saying it's illogical for him to want to get to D.C. as soon as possible. Threat or no threat, that is his No, 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 no. It, that's not the illogical point. The, the logical point is they have all agreed that they need to stick together. Rick's that group was has at the, agreed to that. Abraham just well, wants to get they to They were all DC. saying that as they were going down the railroad tracks at the end of the season opener. Um, but Abraham only on, agreed to that because he thought they were going to come with him to D.C. As soon as they're going to show right. any you know, skepticism about that, he's just going to leave them behind. But they've stated they're going to go to D.C. with him. Nobody in the group said, we're going to stay at this church for an extended period of time. They're just trying to regather them, their, their, themselves, kind of put together the plan for this trek halfway across the country on foot. Well, it's not, uh, first off, it's not halfway across, but whatever, Abraham doesn't care good. about Carol okay, and Daryl. He doesn't care about the rest of the group. I get that, but what I'm saying is why go to all the trouble of immediately going? I mean, it was pretty much 
um, implied that they were going to stay at the church one, maybe two days to rest up, gather themselves, and move on, you know, and make a plan. But instead, this imminent threat comes up, this danger in the middle of the night, and, and Abraham wants to take off to protect Eugene. I get that. But now somehow the threat's they, gone yeah glenn gets them to agree on 12 hours now the threat's gone abraham helped eliminate that threat they couldn't just stick around for another half a day or so like was originally uh, implied and uh, hope before they take and Carol off. show back up well even just to just to stay for a while i mean it just seems like they're well, been there like, for like set days. on leaving if they're fixing to take a trip okay a third of the way across the country Atlanta is not need... that far from DC. It's... Regardless, I, I, I see. I see what Rich's point is, which is why I have, maybe, I have issue Aaron, with the. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm feeling dumb maybe because I'm I don't. Not ex- I feel really maybe, dumb right now. Maybe I'm not explaining this monosyllabically enough for for Jordan. Why don't you go <laughs> ahead and explain my point, <laughs> Aaron? I mean, I, we should move on. But I mean, my my. It's just like they, they, the threat's there. I can see why Abraham stays and makes the deal or whatever. Once the threat's eliminated, it doesn't seem like he still needs to be so adamant about holding on to that deal. It's like, well, we said we were going to leave at this time, so we're still leaving at this time. It seems like, well, now that we've got rid of this, the Bob thing just happened. We're all kind of grieving and resettling from this thing that happened. We could probably hold off for, you know, another day because it's not like – it's not like there's anything that's pushing us to need to leave right now. Well, except and, he's may, and maybe the two, the two very back effective back people in our held group back by Rick's group over and over again. Uh, he's just trying to get to see it. He probably would have been there by now if he kept ha- hadn't kept stopping to help them. He did Teamwork right, right now. has he, give and take in it, there, Jordan. He would have been there by now if Eugene didn't shoot up the van, the truck that they had. Well, that's true, but that's Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> I, Let's move on. Let's get on. I, my, my thing is I don't see it as as illogic so much as just differing viewpoints between these two characters that are at least consistent. The two characters being uh, Rick and, and Abraham here, both of them following you know the character logic that they would have, and them just being differing logics. Uh, no, see, I, I agree. I agree with that. Like that's not a issue for. It's more of like I feel like the writers are forcing them to separate. Yes, because they can Thank do you. things with that that I I can only hope will you know help the show, but. From my perspective, from where I'm sitting right now, it just makes me think, well, this just seems forced as opposed to like a natural splitting of the group. I see. I don't know that I buy that. I just feel like this is natural for Abraham. But uh, agree to disagree, I guess. Yeah, I, I see it more as a uh, like a, a mechanical thing that's going to help them to write better scripts <laughs> more than a uh, more than an organic thing, you know, growing out of the, the storytelling itself. Because I mean, it's a lot easier to write for a smaller group and give everyone time to, to shine and interact than it is for. A big unwieldy group of like you know fifteen or whatever. Every and if it leads to week. good scripts and leads to good episodes, great. I'm happy. Hey, Amen. Yeah. If the show is good, that's all that matters, right? There you go. <laughs> okay, so back onto the episode. Uh, Sasha is just like everybody else, but especially Sasha is ready to just break faces over at Terminus Camp. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tyrese comes over to her and basically says, "You should stay here with Bob. When he wakes up, the faces we're going to want to see is you." And I know you're angry. Believe me, I've been there. And we have the audience. We as the audience have, of course, seen him be there before. Um, you may want to just rip them all apart right now. But you, in the long run, you should be here with Bob. You will regret not being here with him when he wakes up if you go and murder them all. Um, 
I dig at it. Everybody has the right to be angry. I'm not saying we shouldn't murder them. But you yourself, Sasha, should stay here with him. She disagrees. She gives uh, Tyrese her knife and tells him uh, to stab Bob once she stops breathing. And it's an amicable disagreement, I would say. You know, it's a brotherly, sisterly, friendly, loving disagreement, but they, they do not see eye to eye on this subject. It's funny because I see, like, both their points, and I agree with both their points. Oh, absolutely. Tyrese, is, he, Tyrese makes a good case, although him bringing up Karen, it's like, I don't care about Karen, Tyrese, stop it. Like, <laughs> I didn't know her. You right. barely knew her. But here we go again with Tyrese getting all crybaby eyes about this. But and then yeah, but he makes a good point of it. Yeah, Bob should be able to be with this person that they obviously share a connection with. But yeah, Sasha, you know, horrible thing happened to Bob, and she wants to get her vengeance. Like I get where that's coming from. It's like hard to not argue with that point. That then, it, but then with all that said, Rick and crew did have a a plan that never really separated them from Bob all that much. If it were, to yeah, it was exactly a little bit. It, it was a little bit television there, only in that they purposefully obfuscated the plan from the viewer. And yeah. so by hiding the plan, it made the scene make more sense. But once mm-hmm. we know the plan in the long run, I, I agree with you. It's a little bit like, yeah. or, unless he wakes up during the five minutes they're gone, you know, but still. Or if Tyrese didn't know the plan, but that makes no sense to me. What all, like, you <laughs> yeah. would not tell him what was going on in the scenario. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I don't he know. is pretty wishy-washy, flippy-floppy, uh, emotional guy. Well, yeah, so. but if they didn't tell him the plan, then they could have reacted a different way to to the hunters showing up in the church as opposed to just sitting tight and waiting for Rick to do what he does. That's true. So shall we get into that? Because this is where it gets, I don't want to say confusing, but it gets at least slightly less than straightforward. So let's just lay this out here. Rick, who who leaves? It's Rick, Sasha, Michonne, um, Tara, and uh, Maggie and Glenn. Maggie and Glenn, yeah. Those, is that six right there? Yes. Those, well, that that group. Rick, Michonne, Sasha, Glenn, Tara, and Maggie. That's six people. Those six. They're all going to head to the elementary school. Yeah, they leave the church. We see them in this nice wide shot. I actually really like the way they shot this. They walk off into the woods, and the camera freezes for what felt like a minute was probably 20, 25 seconds. But just watching them walk into the woods, and there's nothing. Giving you the clue that either your cable signal is completely screwed up or something's about to happen, and indeed it's the latter. Um, We then see the five termites come in from the, not the opposite side exactly, but they come in from the right side of camera when Rick's group left through the back of screen. They come in from the right side um, and they go up to the church, being very stealthy about it, and they break their way inside. Um, Leaving you to think that while Rick's group was trying to get the drop on them, they actually got the the drop on Rick's group, which is not what happened. But uh, again, spoilers. Sorry, Jerry, you've been warned. (laughs) So uh, they make their way inside the church and they are looking for anyone in there. They're, They're speaking very loud when they're in there because they're talking to the people that they know are still hiding in the church, which is everybody who's left, which is what we got here. Tyrese, uh, Father um, Gabriel. Gabriel, Carl, Judith. Uh, Bob, what, or what's left of him, and is that everybody? Carl Papa. <laughs> um, I said Carl. Carl, Judith, Gabriel, Tyrese, Bob. Is that it? Uh, is there some woman I'm not thinking of? I don't think so. No, I yeah. think that's everybody. I think we have where's Rosita? Oh, Ros- oh, Rosita. Yeah, which group is she with? She's probably with Abe. And Eugene, that's in Abraham Eugene's as well. Prob- We're forgetting Abraham and Eugene. Oh, yeah, Abraham. Eugene probably stayed back. There's two groups. Um, some of them are hiding in the church. Some yeah. of them aren't. <laughs> the ones that are good fighters that we know the are good fighters. They must go. Be protected. There's a lot of people at this point. So, <laughs> um, see, that's why they're splitting up the group. 
Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> honestly, that's true, people. and that's a good point. Okay, okay, we have group A and group B. There we go. Group alpha and group beta. <laughs> so, uh... That's the way they all became the zombie bunch. <laughs> the zombie bunch. <laughs> so, Gareth and group are, are taunting the people hiding in the church, you know, saying, basically, come out, we're gonna find you, this is gonna happen. Um, if you come out now, maybe we won't eat the baby. Which, how altruistic of you. But uh, they, they narrow it down <laughs> to basically two uh, two rooms off to either side of the, uh, not the stage is the wrong term, but the altar. Altar. Yeah. Altar. So they, so they the left and the right room, they've got people at both sides that are about ready to break it down. When they hear Judith crying from the room, uh, which is stage right, it's to the left of the church. And Gareth's response was so great here, where he talks about, I, I'm beginning to really like this kid. He shows admiration <laughs> for the baby because it gave away the location. I don't know. I just got a good chuckle out of that. Uh, I, I, I thought that was good as well. Um, so they're just about to shoot the uh, the hinges off of the door and burst their way in. When the two people on either side of the door are shot from the shadows, uh, Gareth turns around and points with his middle and index finger, they get shot off, and then Rick and the group, I guess that was Group A, is that correct, Rich? Yes. Group A emerges yeah. from the shadows and tells them all to drop their weapons and kneel. I wonder if Gareth likes finger foods. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Hey. This, this scene was, I mean, this scene was awesome. Like, I I had a good feeling that it's like, they wouldn't just, I like, if I, anything, I thought they're I thought I saw something differently in the that whole wood scene where they kind of walk in the. I thought they saw them like kneel down or something, but that, that was my just mind playing tricks on me. But I I thought there was no way that like this was their exact plan. Like I felt there was something up. And yeah, they pulled off a they pulled off a season three prisoner prison tactic where they just like kind of faked them out. It's like yeah, we were, we were here the whole time. <laughs> and the and the use of their newly acquired silencers to kind of give a little confusion when the first two got shot. Uh, yeah. Was 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 a nice ad. Nice. Glenn touch. fought off. Glenn fought off a mop to get those silencers. So. <laughs> it was a very vicious mop. Uh, so they uh, they surround. First off, I guess Martin, uh, our sur- sur- surprise survivor, he refuses to kneel, but then eventually does, which seemed a little bit weird. Except to, for him to get the line, "There's always a choice," or "You always have a choice," or something similar to that. So I guess that was your one thematic reason for him to do that. But uh, they, I was waiting for him to just get shot in the face. When that yeah, happened. I was waiting was like, for Dude. something to happen, and then just no, no. It's just yeah, he they... was kind of obstinate. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So, so they all kneel, and uh, Rick is in front of uh, in front of Gareth, and Rick is in you know one hundred percent creepy mode, which I love when Rick gets in that mode where he's just kind of pacing and hopping from one foot to the next, and just glaring, and looks like his eyes might pop out of his pop out of his skull, and uh, Gareth starts to beg for mercy. And then uh, you see uh, the camera pulls back a little bit and you see the red-handled machete um, hanging from Rick's side and Gareth sees it as well. And, uh, you know, Gareth basically says, you know, you could have shot us, but you didn't. Just let us go. We'll leave you alone. And Rick kind of looks at, it flip- looks at him flippantly and says, we just didn't want to waste the bullets. Mm-hmm. And then they proceed to massacre all of the termites. Well, he had. had well, wait a minute. Whoa, he did, whoa, he had, you... We didn't want to waste the bullets a little earlier than that. His line before he massacred them was... Uh, I did make a promise to you. Yes. yes <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, so, first, I mean, Gareth says, you know, I, you don't know what it's like to be hungry, and that he's being mm-hmm. pretty creepy in his own way. Rick should have said, then, we ate dog food. Yes, we do. And Rick's, Rick's response to that is, I already made you a promise. 
<laughs> and then they show the machete, and I, I really like that. That was awesome. It's, it's that, like, it, he has two lines in this episode within, like, five minutes of each other that easily enter the top ten badass things Rick has ever said <laughs> on The Walking Dead. Uh, so they massacre them, like I said. Um... Horrifically. Like the cam- like it's a great shot. Like the camera upshot from Gareth to Rick is amazing because you're just seeing like just goo go onto Rick as he's hacking away with this machete, and you get like Tyrese, you get like the others looking at them in disgust, you- and you have Tyrese especially looking at like his sister Sasha brutally stabbing Martin in the chest, I mean, and Abraham of course is going to town on one guy's face. Like there's just nonstop <laughs> viciousness going on in this scene. Okay, I've got to disagree. Okay, so uh, and I-, I get I get exactly what you're saying, Aaron. Uh, you know, like I already said in the beginning, and previously, this is my favorite storyline from the comics. Yada yada yada, etc. If I remember from the comics correctly, this is a non-spoiler, really, because um, it's pretty much what you saw here, except just in a different place. Do they? It, it, my memory is that they don't show pretty much any of the murder. Is that correct? That basically you on might see sh- like a couple close-up. You know, in the in the comic, you see a couple close-up of weapons and maybe some sound effects, and then pretty much it's over. Like, you know something horrible happened, but you don't see it. They do it, too. Yeah, they show, like, the results more than they show the actual violence taking place, which is what they do in this, I guess less so in this episode than they do in the comics. I think that worked way better. Honestly, you know, my, you know, as they say, you know, the imagination, you know, is more brutal than the show can ever be, or the book, or anything, really. Your imagination will fill in those gaps. I kind of wish, like, I kind of wish they had left it to the imagination, because... What they showed, while, yes, brutal, I agree with you, was nowhere near as brutal as I wanted it to be or imagined it to be for, you know, the last few years. And so it did not live up to my expectations. I honestly wish that they had Mm. had that first shot of Rick, you know, bringing down the machete and maybe one blood spray and then either pan up to, you know, some of the ornamentation of the church or back out through the door like they did with Tyrese and Martin in the previous episode and then just let you hear it and show you the... um, the you know the, the the leftovers later basically or the the aftermath I think was the word you used which is a better word um, it didn't live up to my expectations and yes that's a little bit you know unfair of me but at the same time even if I hadn't read that in the book I still think this wouldn't have let, lived up to what I wanted them to do to the termites and I wish they just left it to the imagination honestly because there's no well, way they that... could get brutal enough for me. That's a subjective way to put it. Absolutely, I mean, your, 100%. That's your opinion, and, and, and I agree with what, you, what you're saying, but I, 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 I tend to think that they kind of left a little bit to the theater of the mind anyway. I mean, the way the lighting was in that scene, as far as, you know, you couldn't really make out everything, and I think that they gave us just enough shots of a little bit of the gore, um, and we didn't see everything. I you feel know, like we pretty much like, did. It was like chop, we, chop, chop. This guy's dead. Chop, chop, chop. This guy's dead. Chop, chop, chop. That well, we, guy's I dead. I mean, we weren't like we saw. We saw Abraham hitting a body in the face. We saw Sasha stabbing a guy. But I mean, the the Gar- the Rick to Gareth stuff, which I think is kind of the most important in that equation because he's the only character you really know in this episode. You don't see him getting it. You see Rick going after him. You right. see the emotion in his face, which I think is right. what's important about that. Exactly. And and you, and what you're looking for, Jordan, I think was implied well. But you know, I I, I agree with you opinion. that they did a good job with it, but I think it could have been 
done better for me. And again, you're absolutely right. It's 100% subjective, you know. And I think it's I think it's also it's put into the faces of the ones watching, which includes Team Alpha. Like you're watching Maggie's face and you're watching Tara's face and right. you're watching and you're what and you're watching Tyrese, of course, who has the most Tyrese is, you know, he's the housewife of the show now, so you're <laughs> watching him have the most reaction. Like, "Oh my god, my lovelies." Like, what's oh, happening? Oh, six alive. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, my weak constitution. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the point I was going to make is, you know, the focal point for that in that scene really for me was not the goo, but the the actors, you know, the faces, um, like Aaron had alluded to. Um, so I mean, I really, I'm, I, I don't know whether he was. I know Charlie Adler like to use, likes to use negative space a lot because he's in black and white and he, he, you know, doesn't. I mean, he doesn't shy away from showing gore, but a lot of times with the ultra violent stuff, he he'll do what Jordan is saying and kind of like cut away or or use a silhouette or something like that. But um, I was more interested in the performances than I was in the gory special effects, to be honest. Uh, and I get I what you're see, I definitely, I, I definitely see where you're coming from as well, Jordan. I mean, I, but I do think it's being slightly informed by an understanding of of what the show was going to do with these characters in advance, based on your love for the comic book. That's that's putting a, a putting something over your perception. Well, of no, here, what I'm, what I'm saying is is more of even if I hadn't had that, I know what I wanted to see just based on how evil the termites were this whole time, and I feel like they both went too far and not far enough because they showed us some, and either I wanted to see all of it in all the gory detail, or I wanted to see pretty much none and just the aftermath. Yeah, I, and, and the comic, like all, the comic is what shows me what I preferred, but only because I had that. But I still would have been left wanting more even without the comic. And I think that's just a weird kind of limbo you have to get absolutely, with, absolutely. If, if understanding like what you might think if you didn't know the scene. And just to be clear to the listeners and you guys, I'm not saying this was bad. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. there's something I would have preferred. Fair. You know, this well, is this, absolutely fine and serviceable. This, you know. this Rick has both his hands too, so it allowed him to do more <laughs> yeah. violence. So. Jeez, spoiler. I think we've mentioned that one enough times in the past. That one's a fair game. Sorry, Jerry. And and Kirkman has already said it'll never happen on the show. So. We don't have to. Too many, too many limbs have been lost already. <laughs> they, yeah, they don't want The Walking Dead to get repetitive with limbs. Well, I think this is a Star Wars movie. I mean, come on. Uh, later on, after like pretty much right after the massacre, when uh, everyone's kind of just you know taking pause to reflect on what they've done, uh, we see that Father the Gabriel is very disturbed by everything that's happened, and he says, "You know, you know, this is the house of the Lord, or this is God's house." I forget exactly what his uh, his line was, but Maggie responds with the episode title and says, "Nope, it's just four walls and a roof." And, and, I, I thought and Glenn the floor. was going to pop up out of the side and be like, "That's the name of the episode." Then <laughs> pop back. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I have problems with like, "And there's your episode title." This one I thought worked. It felt more like they chose the episode title from the line instead of the other way around. Oh, I well, agree. I think I they mean... missed an opportunity with this episode. They should have used what I'm going to name my future punk band, and that should be uh, Tainted Meat. That's what I thought they should have named the episode. <laughs> Tainted Meat, whoa. Now when, when, now, when Rick has that line where he says, it could have been us, did, they mean, did he mean that they could have become cannibals, or that it could have been us being slaughtered by them? Probably the, for- the latter. Yeah. yeah, I think the slaughter. I, I don't feel like Rick was in a position thinking, man, if we ju- if we did things differently, we could be eating Bob right now, too. I don't think that's something that <laughs> Rick's mind. <laughs> barbecue smells good. I don't know. The following morning, everyone says their goodbyes to Bob, which I thought was very nice. And Bob thanks Rick for taking him into the prison and giving him a home, which was also very nice. Although I thought maybe that should have been given more to Glenn than Rick, but whatever. Um, and then he later dies in Sasha's arms. And uh, Tyrese comes in. Uh, kind of hugs his sister, takes the knife from her, or he she gives him the knife, and uh, he stabs Bob in the head. Uh, 
obscured by Bob's head, so we don't actually see it, which, again, I thought was a nice touch. And then the group buries Bob besides the church. So here's my issue with this scene. Not this, not this scene, not, the, like, the performance of anything or, you know, the goodbye or whatnot, but this kind of gets back to what um, Chubb was saying earlier about the whole logic thing. I feel like we spent a lot of time with Bob where I don't know if Bob really needed all of this attention that we got for him. And I feel like if they spent some of that time instead giving more sound logic to what Abraham's plan is and why they still need to proceed out, the episode could have been better overall. Like, I feel like we got a whole, like, I got everybody to say goodbye to Bob as if he was some, like, character that we've all come to love over for because he's been on for forever, but he's really only been on for you know, a season and a couple episodes, and even then we don't really know a, a lot. We don't we don't care about Bob the same way we care about, like, Glenn or something like that. You know, we got a, a giant send-off for him. I'm not saying the performances were bad by anybody. I think the scenes were, you know, they're good, they're well-written, they're well-acted, but it seems like we just got a lot of time spent with this character. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you and kind of disagree with you. One, I do really like Bob, probably to the same level of Glenn, I, yeah, but I, I realize I, I'm I've come higher. to like Bob as well. Yeah, um, but, but I think... Who doesn't like Bob? I, I think it was He's more important for Sasha. Less filling and tastes great. I think it was more important for Sasha in particular to have those moments with Bob and to show what he meant, because as we go on, I think this will probably, you know, influence her a lot, especially because I'm starting to get the impression that she is going to become, you know, the Andrea of the show going forward. And I, and I mean that in, you know, comics Andrea, the Andrea we all really liked, you know, and, and so I think to have those goodbyes for him and to show why he was important to the group, especially will go towards her as the show goes forward. And that's why it was important. And also, I like yeah. Bob. <laughs> that's and, that's and fair, the, but, the... but that, that, I think it also makes, by taking away Bob, it makes Sasha expendable at this point in the show. So I don't know how much I need to hear from Sasha. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think she's still I important don't know to about Tyrese. That. Either Sasha or Tyrese has to go. That's kind of a prediction I have because we don't need both of those characters. And she's a show that does kill off characters. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I kind of I, I kind of agree with your point, Aaron, about so much Bob time with this. And I, I read that in your review on the is it Young Folks? Yes, yeah, yeah. Throw you a little plug there. Thanks. Um, the but, but um, I think that it's more the juxtaposition of putting this beside the the scene before of the come to Jesus meeting, pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, that they had with the hunters. Uh, to kind of soften, we just had this probably one of the most violent scenes that's been on the show so far, at least with our group, with live humans, not zombies. And then to show the humanity and actually the forgiveness and the, the hum- how humble and, and welcoming this group is with the uh, Bob scenes. I think that that kind of helped balance that that out, if I'm making sense there. You're making complete sense, and I agree, I agree with you. And, and you know, sure, I, I understand. There's probably also people listening to this that are like, "Aaron's so off base on this point." So I understand, but I, it it is kind of this disadvantage, or that I have of where I'm looking at the show, like in retrospect, and what I would do differently, even though I'm not in the, the position right, to right. make any of those choices. Again, I certainly like Bob as a character, and I really like the acting from the people involved in these scenes and whatnot. It's just like if the show was, you know, if the show was ten minutes longer, maybe I'd appreciate being able to both comprehend the Abraham stuff that you and I have both agreed on is like kind of wonky, and the Bob stuff also taking place. But uh, yeah, in terms right. of like giving us some, you know, a semblance of life and something to celebrate after you know some horrific actions, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I can agree there. My only 
uh, complaint about this scene is they is Tyrese couldn't have pulled the corpse off of the preacher's couch before he. I was wondering that too. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man! It's not like they have you know Febreze in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a genius marketing uh, idea, yeah. though. Walking Dead. You had like the last Febreze <laughs> factory after the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> it'd, it'd be sent to like the characters, like smell like Daryl. Yeah. I'm also hoping that this point where Tyrese chose to be the one to do that is him uh, metaphorically finally popping some Midol, putting his Tampax in, putting his big girl panties on, oh, and actually man. becoming a big part of the group instead of such a wuss anymore. I want the comic, Tyrese. <laughs> I think we're past that. Like, I, or if we're not, we're going to have to wait several seasons just like we had to wait to get the Rick that we wanted of the show if we want to get the Tyrese that we kind of want. Yeah. So Abraham gives Rick a map with the route they're going to take to Washington, and he, Eugene, Rosita, Glenn, Maggie, and Tara drive off on the repaired bus, and everyone kind of waves them goodbye. And then Rick uh, looks at the map after Abraham uh, drives away and looks at the message that Abraham had left for him, and it says, and I may be paraphrasing, but I believe it was, Rick, sorry I was such an asshole. Uh, you should still come to Washington. This world is going to need Rick Grimes, which is pretty awesome. It is. It's why I don't think they're going to have to fight ever. I think, like, it's like, no, we kind of, you know, bro agreement right there. Yeah. <laughs> that night, Gabriel and Michonne are sitting on the front stoop as uh, Michonne keeps watching. By the way, we should have mentioned, but she got her uh, katana back because it was in the back. Yeah. Reunited and it feels so One good. of my uh, favorite 90s movies is uh, How Michonne Got Her Sword Back. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Angela Bassett, right? <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be strong. You got it's all like that. It's great. Uh, so Gabriel and Michonne have a little bit of a heart to heart, and then he eventually goes back inside. And Michonne hears a noise in the bushes, so she goes to investigate. And out from the bushes comes Daryl, being much louder than normal. Um, and Michonne asks where Carol is, and Daryl looks back at the woods and says, "Come on out." And we cut to black, ending the episode. Before we get to the Daryl stuff, and I know we should talk about that, the I want to get to Michonne a little bit, because, I mean, we obviously haven't had too much Michonne this season, just because there's been a lot of other things to focus on rather than just her. But she's had some good scenes, including the one in this episode. The way she's sitting on the porch before Gabriel comes out, and she's kind of looking at her sword, I think it's a credit to, like, deny Guerra's performance and, like, what we know about this character, where you can, because she talked about last week how she felt like she didn't, it, it became too much of a, of a part of her while she maybe forgot that she was, like, a person or forgot, you know, what she had been going through or whatnot. And it seems like she didn't really necessarily need to get the sword back. And I feel like I got all of that just from her sitting on a porch looking at a piece of equipment. And not only, That's impressive. Not only getting it back, because I completely agree with you, but after the speech she gave last week, getting it back after a moment of such sheer brutality was a mm-hmm. double, you know, punch in the face or punch in the gut, whichever metaphor you want to go with. Um, and I thought that was great. Yeah, it's just a nice piece of acting for, in terms of, you know, kind of a, a physical performance, which, you know, in, involves very minor physical work, just more of a, you know, it's like facial performance, I guess. And then, yeah, obviously having a conversation with Gabriel and not even, not necessarily going into the stuff that I just detailed, but you, you can kind of hear it in what she's saying, where she in what she's talking about of understanding regret, remorse and whatnot. And, you know, she's this character that's become this iconic figure for being the girl with the sword that's really good with it and now she's had a time to spend without that sword not even that long grant you too but she's already realized like i don't know if i really need this but uh yeah we'll see where that goes i guess if that if anything comes to that 
it's been really cool to see her uh, performance like mature as the seasons have gone on too. I mean, from you know her her original you know, early portrayal of Michonne is kind of just like grumpy cat like all the way to this like you know definitely more textured, more multi layered performance that she's worked into. Because you see the writers, you know, figure out what to do with these people. It helps. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the Daryl and the Woods scene, uh, that was the end of our episode. I, I'm i of two minds about this. A, I love that as a way to end an episode. I thought that was really cool, um, especially with, you know, the stuff we've seen for next week. And we, we can get into that uh, after the end of the episode so as not to spoil anybody. I don't know that I loved it appended to this episode, if that makes any sense. Like, I felt like this episode should have ended somewhere sooner. Um, and it felt the the pacing of the episode was strange because of that. Like you had the massacre come in like, you know, 40 minutes into the hour and then you had, you know, 10 minutes of decompression and then this, like that, that was just kind of a weird pacing and flow to the episode for me. Again, I love the the ending as an end to an episode, just maybe not this one. I, I mean, I feel like the, the episode does a good job of being fairly self-contained while still having that kind of like, and here's next week, like, you know, like a small preview within the, like giving you a sense of where it's going. I, 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 I mean, I preferred this over like, and then Abraham drove off into the sunset. Like that's boring to me. Or then like we focus on Bob's grave with Sasha crying or something like it. I, knowing that there was a lingering question in my mind of like, what about Daryl and Carol? I, I like that there's, you know, a small setup <laughs> taking place to give you the, the sense that, Oh yeah, by the way, we're going to get back to this now. Like we, we've, we've gotten off our terminus detour or whatever you want to call it. And we can uh, focus on this other thing. That's also a development in the show. Now yeah, it's not really, not really a cliffhanger, more of like a, a plot hook, you know, to, yeah, to get you interested yeah. in thinking right. about it. Now, should we save our speculation for who is in the bushes for when we talk about next week's episode? So we've, we've decided off mic to save that conversation for later. Cause otherwise we're going to end up spoiling somebody for next week's episode based on the previews, at least. So if you want to hear a discussion of that, just wait till the end of the episode. So before we get into our buster ratings for the episode, Rich, why don't you tell us about our wonderful sponsor? Well, there's, there's a secret that I've been hiding from you dudes. And that, that is that I have a serious, serious addiction and it, it's, it's financially crippling me. And that is, is it sailor moon cosplay because I really don't like that mental picture. Uh, <laughs> that's a minor issue but you know that 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 aside um i'm i'm heavily addicted to comic books i don't know about you guys but the the rising prices of comic books have have pretty much put me into the poorhouse because much like oxygen i must have comics to read uh, in order to stay alive but there has been a solution to it my own personal rehab that I'll share with the public, and that is DCBService.com, Discount Comic Book Service, where you can go sign up and get your comic books at 30, 40, and in some cases, 50% off, uh, depending on what specials they have. They'll have bundles of of what's coming out uh, for the month for um, DC or Image or or Marvel. Uh, Most importantly, for our Walking Dead fans, you can get a lot of the, uh, the trades at 40% off the 100 project limited edition hardcover, uh, that Robert Kirk- Kirkman put together normally priced at 24.99. You can get at 14.99. Uh, the regular trade paperbacks like Jordan was talking about earlier. Generally, those are, uh, 12 to $15. You can get those at around seven to $8 a piece. Uh, the hard, 
uh, bound editions that Aaron was talking about. I mean, those go for, I think it's, what are they, $35, $40, and you can get them for like $23 on discount comic book service. Um, Toys, statues, all kinds of things. The Walking Dead TV Daryl and the Wolves statue for those looking to get Chubtoad something for Christmas. This is on my list regularly. It's a $239 statue. You can get it for $191.20. That's 20% off, folks, and uh, just uh, tweet me at chubtoad01, and I'll give you my address to send that to. But go check them out. They are a proud sponsor of the Walking Dead TV podcast. All it can do is save you tons of money because I know everybody out there listening to us either reads Walking Dead or wants to read Walking Dead or, as a requirement, should be reading Walking Dead. So go there, save money, do it now. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, Buster ratings time. On a scale of 1 to 5, 5 being the best, 1 being the worst, how many Busters would you give this episode? Aaron, why don't you go first? I'd probably go 4.5. I didn't go... Uh, I wasn't here last week. I was, I was looking for 4.5 on that one, too. But 4.5 this week, I think, just because of the... I think that that despite my misgivings that are you know fairly minor, just more stuff to bring up, but the, the whole handling of the hunter storyline especially given how quick it was i appreciate that a lot i really like that gareth performance and i really like just the way all of that played out enough to think this is just a really strong episode of the walking dead so four and a half i also give this a 4.5 i really enjoyed it uh just as much as i enjoyed the last episode a lot of stuff going on a lot of moving parts uh swinging around and uh i don't know i just really some really good acting some really good scenes that stuck with me in this episode and uh I enjoyed it a lot, you know, and uh, Michonne got her uh, katana back, so that was always great, so uh, 4.5 out of 5 for me. I have to agree and concur with the 4.5, not just because all the cool kids are doing it, but because I think this episode <laughs> earned a solid 4.5, and, a half. and I, you know, to Aaron's point, if, if the logic train that kind of derailed hadn't happened, um, it, it would have been probably a full five because I think the wrapping up and the way that the Hunter story was handled was awesome. Well, let's make it 4.5s all around because I will agree. Again, I wish it was higher because I really had high expectations for this episode, which probably hurt it a little bit, but hey, what can I do? Um, I really did enjoy the episode. Again, little things like uh, how they handled the massacre or Father Gilliam's performance or Seth Gilliam's performance as Father Gabriel you know, what can you do? It was a very solid episode. I was very happy with it, and uh, it leaves me very excited for next week. So, 4.5s all around. Uh, Richard, what did America think? What were the Nielsen ratings for this week's episode? Well, it got a solid 7, which is a little down from the 7.7 it had last week. Uh, There were just shy of 14 million viewers watching it live. Uh, It had a... uh, And that 7 was within the 18 to 49 demographic that they're looking for. So um, while it was a little less than last week, um, it was competing against the World Series, which evidently means something to some folks this year. Heard of it. uh, um, But, uh, of course, we don't have the plus ratings on here yet, so it'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, all all the ratings for pretty much every show, but particularly nerd stuff like The Walking Dead, tends to go up uh, quite substantially with the uh, plus threes and plus sevens, which for anybody who doesn't know is is the the ratings that they give out that are kind of updated with the numbers of who has watched what on DVRs and such like that, um, and Hulu and things like that, in the three days for the plus threes or the seven days for the plus sevens um, since the episode aired. 
So it always goes up pretty substantially then as well. But still, very solid ratings. Uh, Jim, what did our listeners think on Facebook? Of course, if you are a fan of the show and have not checked out our Facebook group, go to Facebook.com right now, check out the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group, and you can join in on the discussion and see all the news right there first uh, with all the other fine listeners we have. Absolutely, and uh, we got a lot of really good comments this week. Uh, Roger Austin gave it four tinted barbecues out of five. Another good episode. Very brutal end for the termites, but I'd have done the same in Rick's position. Uh, Everard Santa Marina, and thank you for setting up our ratings uh, thread for us this week. Everard, appreciate that. Uh, four red-handled machete swings out of five. Happy to see they're moving quickly this season. I thought there might be a couple of more episodes of the Hunter Cat and Mouse. Do we know what made them come back after they left the elementary school? Uh, a couple of tropes, Rick firing into the woods in frustration with no regard for attracting walkers, and the baby giving away the room where the group was hiding. Uh, these cheapen the episode somewhat, but I'll forgive them. Uh, who the heck was behind Daryl at the end of the episode? <laughs> we may be on the scariest episodes yet. Uh, Susan Monk, 3.75 Machete Massacres in the apps. And crossword fan, obviously, because that word is in almost every crossword I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> that was the creepiest aspect of the show. Uh, Gareth's speeches were TMI. He and the other termites deserved what they got. Uh, Mike Jones, 4.75 Church Buses. Brutal episode with great pacing and dialogue. My only gripes were... No payoff from the tainted meat. Why Rick would so easily agree for Glenn and Maggie to leave for DC and Tyrese is still a housewife church lady. Um, Jason Watson, five out of five plates of chopped Gareth sushi. This was a great episode. as close to a direct adaptation of the Hunter storyline from the comics as we could get. Insert Bob for Dale. Uh, Leo Cavallas, 4.5 out of 5 Garrus blown off fingers. Very tense episode. Maybe even better than the season premiere. Max Sofer, 4 out of 5 red handled machetes. So glad we didn't drug Gareth out all season. Uh, not every bad has to last 8 plus episodes. Uh, I'm also pleased that they kept Gabriel's secret pretty much the same. I didn't think it would play well after all the awful things we've seen the others do. But Seth Gilliam acted in a way that made it feel worse than a lot of the other stuff. Bravo. Uh, Mike, Jim, uh, let's see, Monica Smith and Aceto, four out of five terminated termites, uh, gripping episode with Rick at the scariest. Uh, Mary Turpecki, I'm going with 4.5 Bye Bye Bobs. This episode had it all for me, nods to the comic, tension, emotion. Uh, while I'm glad the pace of the slow show is moving swiftly, I have to admit I'm sort of sad to see Gareth go. He was one creepy guy. I agree with you there. Uh, Craig DiMonda, 4.75 silencers out of five. Poor Direction and Super Dark Lighting by Jeffrey F. January. Uh, we don't actually get to see Gareth getting hacked up, just blood spattering. Uh, Jim D. mentioned this on last week's podcast. The Michonne sword retrieval scene could have been done in a much more artistic and clever way, not just her picking up. Acting superb, writing top-notch, director, fail. Uh, four out of five creepy moonlight or midnight crossroads for Belinda Clark Ake. Uh, four out of five laughing bobs from Ian Timms. Um... It was a shame we didn't get the tainted meat payoff. I cheered for Michonne's sword reappearing and laughed my ass off with Bob. A but laughing Maggie. Bob's is one of my favorite uh, barbershop quartets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The laughing Bob's, yeah. They opened up for the uh, the B-sharps, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Robert Nigro, 4.5 Scooby-Doo villain speeches. <laughs> nice. Garrus' motor mouth was getting really irritating, uh, even if uh, he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids. I uh, felt that Father Gabriel needed a few punches in the face, and that Tyrese needs to take a Toastmasters class or something to boost his confidence. Nice. 
Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington once again with us. Uh, another top-notch episode. And I'll give it four slashes with a machete out of five. We were right on the theory that Bob was bitten. And I was very surprised that the termites were all killed off so easily. I for sure thought the storyline would be ongoing for a few more episodes at least. Brent Jones, four out of five. Sorry for being an assholes. I really can't stand how last year we spent six episodes watching Maggie risk it all to find Glenn. But now no, no mention of her sister and she's willing to leave for DC without even asking about her. WTF. Yeah, I forgot to mention that too. That is something that's getting yeah. very irritating. <laughs> that's a good point, Brent. Check out the big brain on Brent. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Sarah Ann Howard, really great episode. Four out of five busters. Pacing is outstanding this season so far. Some fantastic performances as well. This episode was very creepy, and I love the dark tone. Matches well with the sometimes dark illustrations. In the comic, I fear, too, that Carol is gone. Daryl's reaction to the question said so much. That makes me very sad. She has become one of my favorites. And if you would like to make a comment and, uh, and join in the fun here on the Walking Dead TV podcast, not only is there a lot of good conversation and a lot of good comments made about the different episodes, you can also get links to Aaron's uh, reviews of each show at theyoungfolks.com, from our Facebook group, and a lot of news articles, fun stuff. I think I put the Carl Papa uh, rap video up here, which is pretty nice. Uh, but uh, check that out, the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group. I appreciate join the us. plug. I appreciate the plug, Jim. I do uh, write the write-ups um, very, as quickly as I can. I try to get them up pretty much the like the early morning slash night of the episodes. So it's uh, it's fun to do. You're a machine, Aaron. I try. And before we wrap up the episode, we have one other pretty fun thing, and that is we have that news we promised about uh, the spinoff of The Walking Dead. I'm going to send over to Aaron for that, but now we know what? We know the director. We know um, some vague character details. What do we have, Aaron? That's pretty much it. Yeah, we've ta- have we talked about the characters before? I know that. No, was... we decided to say that because there was so little there, and now that we have the director, well, we figured we had enough. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, people aren't about to blow their tops when they hear the name Adam Davidson because you're going to be like, who? And I'm going to say, well, he's won an Academy Award back in 1991 for a short film, but he's also done a lot of TV since then: Community, Fringe, True Blood, Rome, Dexter, Deadwood, Lost, as well as AMC shows like Low Winter Sun, the one that everyone loves, of course, and uh, featuring uh, <laughs> featuring Morgan um, and Hell on Wheels and uh, and Turn. Uh, but yeah, the they have they've hired a director for the spinoff. Um, I'm not sure if it's going straight to series. I, I'd imagine it probably is just because it says Walking Dead in the title somewhere. So they're like, yeah, this this will go, whatever. People will watch it. Um, but, yeah, we do have some, some character stuff as well. We have the Cabrera family, which cons- consists of a father and his angry adolescent son. The Tompkins family, consisting of a mom, her screwed-up teenage son, and her level-headed teenage daughter. See, this is how vague the details are. And we get a, a character named Andrea, a somewhat wilted flower child. Uh, those are vague details, and I... I'm questioning why we have a character named Andrea and whether or not she's connected in some way to the Andrea that we know and hated on this show. That's a slight joke, but whatever. Um, but the the details are pretty thin, but it is a show that it will apparently exist on its own. It won't be set in Georgia. Uh, it won't be based on any, or any Kirkman comic characters, um, and it's maybe set in the earlier days. So, like, we yeah, we're getting some some information. We have we have this um, some. Um, one of the novel, uh, one of the writers as well. One of the writers is uh, Dave Erickson, who's been on Sons of Anarchy, um, and so yeah, it's, it's some some minor details. But given that it's been a very dormant volcano since it was announced, like what three years ago, maybe we're at least getting something to work with now. Have they given any hints at what the spinoff show's name 
or title will be. Uh, it's not going to be like a Joni Loves Chachi type thing or anything. It's going to be uh, The Walking Dead and then a subtitle or something. Have they said anything? I think in the spirit of After Mash, it's going to be called Before Dead. I don't know. I oh, no okay. <laughs> <laughs> or a variation on Rhoda or something. Rhoda. Yeah. Undead Rhoda. <laughs> but yeah, no, no real idea on what this thing's going to be. I mean, the, the word I'm hearing is it's going to be set in D.C. at the, uh, you know, the early days of the outbreak, so it's possible just The Walking Dead D.C. Um, I think that's, or, um, you know, District of the Dead, maybe, could be interesting. Was it District D.C.? Of the I Dead. thought it was Washington <laughs> State, not D.C. No, no. Are, are you joking, or? No, I, I thought it was Washington State is what they were talking about. Oh, I was pretty sure it was D.C. Him. at the early stages of the uh, of the. Uh, it end could of the world. be. I, I'm just you know my brain. Washington not State. That'd be hilariously boring. It, it, it's going to no be it's going to be a 30 minute sitcom sitcom about a bunch of stoners who just sit there in the rain <laughs> and like kind of kind of like freak out about the zombies. Well, th- well, this wilted flower child sounds like somebody that would have come up from Portland, you know, or who so. would be in Congress now. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, scant details, but we got something. I, oh, and we have the, the showrunner is um, uh, Erickson, actually, the writer from uh, Sons of Manor. He's doing the writing on the show. He's going to be the showrunner here. And there will be uh, uh, Gail Ann Hurd and Kirkman. They'll be executive producers. Not uh, Nicotero? Not Nicotero, no. Yeah, there's no. I mean, I guess he does I, well, I have a lot of. He's, uh, he's you know, pretty busy. I'm sure he's going to do yeah. work on it. But, right, right. Um, that, the only thing is. is it, Early on when they were talking about this, they said that the two shows would not, there wouldn't be a crossover. Uh, am I wrong in that? There would, that there's not going to be You're a correct, cross- yeah. Okay. Uh, well, um, there's, well, well, they've said there's, they're not going to connect to the, any of the comic characters. Um, I'm just saying, it, if, if it, it, will exist on them, its own, it will exist on its own and it won't be in Georgia. So, yeah, you won't be necessarily Because I'm just saying, seeing. if you place them in D.C., now we're looking at the possibility of them Eugene running into involved, each other. But also two years later, which would be interesting. Or two and a half, three years later. Maybe it's secretly the Eugene show. Maybe everyone just really likes Eugene over at AMC, and they're like, let's give this guy his own series. <laughs> the <laughs> the early days. Eugene. So do we have anything else before we close it out, gentlemen? I think we've gone on long enough. <laughs> I, I agree. I've got to edit all this. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, Our apologies to Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, of course, after we close it out, we will talk about the preview for next week's episode and speculate some on who was behind Daryl. But before that, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 972-798-3830, or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, Black Box, Out Now, uh, and tons of other shows, the Ichapod Cranecast, the DC TV Podcast, It's All Connected, a Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, and many, many more that I'm sure you'd enjoy. And you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. Aaron is at Aaron's PS4. Uh, Rich is at ChubToad01. That's a zero a one. Jim is at Yoda Jones, and I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. And so until there's no more room left in Hell and the Dead Walk the Earth, remember, I already made you a promise. Have a good week, everybody. And next week on The Walking Dead, episode 504 is entitled Slab Town. And the uh, synopsis we have from uh, tvguide.com is a group of other survivors are encountered. 
And from the preview, I, I really like the preview, by the way. I, I'm assuming everybody watched it who's here yeah. with us. Yeah. yeah. I love the symmetry of, you know, her waking up in the hospital bed, mirrors Rick waking up in the hospital bed, looking out, seeing Atlanta. I believe that was Atlanta anyway. I don't know Atlanta's skyline off the top of my head. Um, but bringing it back to that, uh, that locale, um, I really like the way they set that up. That is really cool. I hope we get some of that in the episode, and it's not just those two shots, but that there's actually some thematic symmetry there would be very, very neat. Um, but let's get into now the the actual uh, speculation. Who is behind Daryl? Who is going to come out of the woods there? Okay. They found Waldo. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Charles Nelson he, Riley. He... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Bear with me a minute, but I, I I think I have this figured out. Okay, so we see, like you said, we see Beth in the hospital room and it, what, what looks like Atlanta. Yes. Okay. Now, and I'm not trying to be stereotypical here, but it is kind of a stereotypical thing that those of Hispanic persuasion will do things like put crosses in their car windows and things like that. Um, I have a feeling that we are going to see the return of one or more of the Vatos from season one. Oh, that could be interesting. Um, I'm thinking that it's quite a possibility that they have evolved their nursing home into what's now they found sanctuary in the hospital. They've set up ways to help people. And they're taking those cars and going out on runs to find people, bring them back, and help them. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I have a feeling that it's the Vatos involved. I at least I, like it from its imaginativity. I, I, I can like it for that reason, too. But, I mean, if we want to jump back to the Vatos, I remember that Season 2 began with, originally began with, the, with involving the Vatos, only to have them, only to find that they have all been killed. But, but that was a deleted, deleted opening scene. Was open. But I believe that was canon to the series. Uh, deleted scenes. I mean, it depends on the show. I know, like the Office deleted scenes were canon, unless they weren't. Um, and, but even if it was considered canon at the time as a deleted scene, they can always change their mind. It didn't air on the on the show. I feel like there'd be Walking Dead purists that'd be like just outraged about. It. There, <laughs> there will be Walking Dead purists outraged about everything. It doesn't matter what Fair it enough. is. My theory, well, I have two theories for who's going to walk out behind um, Daryl. One is it will be a group of people that he's bringing back from wherever Beth was, including Beth and Carol, assuming they're still alive at the end of the episode, um, and that it's an entire group that he's bringing out, which is why they were hanging back. He didn't want to freak out Rick's group, and it was more of a, I'll go forward, warn them that you're coming, and then I'll bring you out. My other theory is that it will be Carol and Beth, but it will be Carol carrying a dead Beth over her shoulder. And that by the end of the episode, Beth will be dead. But those are my two theories. Given how insignificant they'd made Beth um, since, uh, you know, the big episode involving Beth and Daryl, it wouldn't be surprising, I guess, if that she ended up dying at the in the end of whatever next week's episode is or whatever happens. But, yeah, I, I don't... Especially because, you know, they've given Maggie nothing to really care about her as Beth goes, so I don't... But I don't know. I have like I have no idea. I I pick, I figure I figured it'll just be like some like Beth like like lost an arm or something like that. I don't know, but it's uh yeah. Because I mean, you got to figure there's got to be some reason why whoever it was would be behind and holding back. And yeah, why know. they didn't just like walk out and be like, hey guys, guess what? Like, yeah, there's... exactly. 
Jim, you have any ideas? I would say the remnants of Woodbury if they hadn't all been gunned down. Um, That's true. <laughs> no, not, not really. It's Jim. It, <laughs> they it's me. Jim. It's from, me. No, no, Jim from the first season. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was me. Which, by the way, how nice was it that they gave him a shout-out this week's episode? Right? Yeah, I really yeah, liked I that. I thought that was cool. Yeah, because that people it, keep asking that question, how long does it take to turn? And I, even though they've made the point like four times now that it varies from person to person substantially, it's still nice for them to bring back like specific examples. Jim, it took this long. This other guy didn't take that long. You know, whatever. Shane, it took like eight seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> now it could depends be on Darryl's... how evil you are. <laughs> <laughs> it could be Daryl's other brother, Daryl, <laughs> or the entire Harlem Globetrotters. We'll have to find out next week. I guess I'm the only New Heart fan here. I, I know Daryl and my other brother Daryl, I guess. 220, 221, whatever it takes. I get it. That's a different reference, I think. But Maybe it's maybe it's Morgan. Except that they said that Morgan was a month behind them, and it's been like three days, so I doubt it. And, and it's kind of, that's kind of the obvious, what everybody is saying. I don't think they'd be so obvious. It'd be cool if it was. Though. Also, Morgan would have no reason to hang back. True. Yeah. That's well, I don't. Thing, yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily the hanging back thing. Is it, I mean, look at Daryl when he's with our group and they're out in the wild, and he tends to go forward. He tends to be the 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 scout. I think he's just playing his usual role here of scouting. You know are our groups still safe at this church? You know, let me check it out first. I mean, I get what you're saying logically, but in terms of remembering this is a TV show, I don't think that works for a reason. <laughs> like, It's not a TV show in some existence. It is a reality show <laughs> to get with it. Well, on that metaphysical note, I think it's time for the episode to end. So have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. So and once again, sorry, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Recording now, it's recording, yep, here it goes now. <laughs> and this is episode 123, Ooh, 123. Boom, chocolate lockers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, Bob's six, Burgers. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12. There is a, um, oh, what is her name, Janelle Monet song that incorporates uh, a sample from that, which is really Yeah, it's really been fun. on Sesame Street. The, the song, or, or her version, her version of the song. Of the song. One, two, three, okay. four, five. I was like, I yeah, know the version. Yeah, yeah. I know the original song. No, no, is, her is, version. It's from Electric I wouldn't Company. Have mentioned, I, I mean, I thought everybody knew that was from Sesame Street, so I wouldn't have mentioned that, but her version. Right. I thought it was originally from Electric Company or 321 Contact or something, and then they eventually brought those segments over no, into No, because there's also... Hashtag important conversation. <laughs> <laughs> People want to know. I once went to... My first wiki wormhole ever was in the Sesame Street page. The things you know, like Oscar the Crouch was originally orange. Fun fact. Things are going into Jordan's wormholes. I don't know what to talk about anymore. <laughs>
go ahead and just talk about his wormhole. Nobody wants to hear about that. Be happy. Hey, everybody. Sorry. No, no problem. <laughs> it's always good. Last week we last week was the first episode in a long time of a regular episode. No bloopers. We just had not. Uh, I had nothing. That I, 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 was, I wasn't there to put you guys down. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't have that this week. We need to definitely come up with some okay. bloopers. Well, we've already got some good stuff. Okay. Um, wormholes and Sesame Street and that. Why don't you take a dollar and go see a Star Wars? <laughs> you like my Lucille Bluth there, Aaron? Yes, I do. <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> Who apparently has a uh, broken accent blooper. for some reason? I'm not sure. Maybe a Star War. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm boy. trying to find my, my place back in the uh, thing. Just I don't know what the hell we're talking about anymore. <laughs> And then in the map, the map says. Oh, hold on. Uh, sorry, I was, I was going to go okay. into it. I was going to say. Right, I was going to be. Edit. All right. Edit it out. <laughs> that's, that's what, 